Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. Most of the time, because I'm a business coach, I notice how people have grand dreams and they have no idea how to bring it into reality. And the work that I end up helping people do is breaking it into these small action steps so that it's not totally overwhelming, but it's like, okay, can you do this, this, and this? And then when you do that, then let's talk about this, this, and this. It's like sometimes when we deal with feelings of powerlessness, it's because no one's really modeled for us how to achieve the things that we want. Hey, U-Turners. It's another week where I'm bringing you one of my favorite humans that I've collected along the journey, and her name is Lisa Peterson, and she is an MBA, a CFP. She's a business expert on money, a wealth coach, and the founder of Wealth Clinic, which is a global community that helps entrepreneurs improve their relationship with money through coaching, workshops, and retreats. Um, I met Lisa when I was at a workshop with her on speaking, and we ended up talking, and I just like completely word vomited on her about how I lost all of my money. And she just had such a healing presence and so much to say. And best of all, she's put it all into her newest book, which is available for you to buy on Amazon now, although it's not released for some more months called Mindful Millionaire. So if you are resonating with this episode, which I'm sure you will, um, you're going to want to hop on Amazon and grab a copy of Mindful Millionaire. And it's all about, uh, today we're going to just talk about money habits and positive mindsets that mindful millionaires have. Say that five times fast. Uh, (laughs) And it's going to relate to your chakras as well, which I think is really fun and original. Lisa, um, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you, Ashley. I'm so happy to be here with you and your listeners. Woohoo! I know you. You really, um, you, you're such a fun person to talk to because I think when I think of millionaires, um, when I was a little girl, I used to think of a lavish life. And my experience of your presence was that you're very uh, modest and that you are very mindful of your money. So I'm, I'm curious, what was the jolt in life? And I know you've had plenty that kind of got you to want to write this book about being a mindful millionaire and got you to care so much about managing money so well. Thank you. That's a great question. You know, with all the work that I've done, I'd have to say it's, it's in the roots. It's in the fact that we just didn't have any money when I was growing up. And so it made me become quite obsessed with it from an early age. But the funny thing that I didn't really understand when I was growing up is that 
I thought money would solve all my problems, and I did not know that that wasn't actually the case until I was probably in my 30s, and I had a lot of money, and I realized that my problems weren't going away. In fact, they were just kind of changing and shifting. They might not be fearful of, of being able to buy groceries, but they the fear was still the same, and that was the big aha moment that I wanted to understand how you could st- still be worrying about money even though you had plenty of it. Yeah, and I find that a lot of people have that little voice in their head that keeps worrying about it no matter how much they have. What do you think that's about? Well, for me, I think it was pure and simple scarcity. You know, my parents, especially my mom, had come from an environment where they didn't have money for food all the time. And so she was worried about money. And, you know, we inherit those things because the way she talked about it, you know, we we can't afford that. We don't have that. We don't have enough. I would hear her crying at night, you know, about not having enough and stressing about it. And it just infiltrated my psyche from such a young age that I didn't know that was why I was so obsessed with money. But, but later in life, I figured it out. You know, I think it it was interesting. I remember talking to you when we were walking around the airport and you had shared that you had some really significant life events. And those of you listening, it's really fascinating the amount of times, Lisa, that you've been in the line of fire, literally where you almost lost your life or you were in some situations. Could you share maybe some of those situations, if at least one, and just share kind of what it made you realize as it relates to your life and the quality of your life with money? Yeah. Like you said, there have been many, but the one, the most recent one, thankfully, that I haven't had this happen in the past six years is I was in my doctor's office. I was a financial advisor at the time. Um, So this is going back to 2013, right before Christmas. And a man walked into my doctor's office and he looked at me in the doctor's office and said, you might want to leave now as he pulled out a very large gun. And I literally thought he was a police officer because he was so calm. And I thought something's going wrong in the back. You know, he's here to help us. And that wasn't the case. He was there to try and kill his doctor. And he went past us in the lobby and continued um, to try and find his doctor and and shot her and shot um, at other people and ended up killing my doctor. And this experience... I was the third floor of a building, and so there was a challenge of getting out of the building and not knowing, you know, if we were going to get out alive. And unfortunately, this is something that's been happening around the world, but especially in the United States for several years. I just never thought that I would be at one of those, you know, situations. Um, My doctor was an incredible person, and he lost his life that day, and I wasn't sure I was going to live. And when I did live, I told myself that I would be walking away from my career and pursuing something that I was very interested in, which is now the work that I specialize in and what my book is all about. And and that was about how can we stop sacrificing our lives and our happiness in pursuit of money, which we don't really realize we're doing, but I knew we were doing that. Having worked in the money business for over 25 years, I just saw people behave very strangely around money, and I wanted to understand why myself and others couldn't break free of these scarcity patterns. Oh my gosh, what an experience. And I know that that's not the first time that you kind of feel like you've been spared. I remember being completely captivated just talking to you about all of this. And, you know, I, I know that 
your book has so much to share. I want to start with asking you, what are some habits or mindsets that you see that millionaires have that you can impart for everybody listening who wants to create a better connection and more healthy relationship with their money? Beautiful question. So first, it's probably helpful to explain that I have been on a pretty intense spiritual journey for over 20 years, and that was started by another tragedy, unfortunately. But I have focused on this inner awareness. Eventually, over the years, I came in contact with the chakras. And when I first started studying them, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would one day use the chakras to teach people about their relationship with money. But that's what the book is about. That's what uh, I found can make a huge impact in people's lives. And so when you ask this question, uh, I, what I wanted to do was, was help listeners understand how the chakras tie into certain behaviors. And again, I've worked with millionaires and, and you know people with a lot more money than that uh, over the years. And I've been watching and studying their behavior and kind of, if you think of it in two, two buckets, because I think this is helpful for, for everyone to understand, what I saw was there were some people who dealt with money, and no matter how much money they had, maybe they were wealthy or maybe they didn't have very much, but some people are just in flow with money. They don't stress about it. They don't make decisions because of it. They just, things always seem to work out. And as a banker and a financial advisor, those people are the ones everyone wants to work with, because things can be not going well. And these people are still very grounded and they're kind and they're looking for solutions and they're, they're able to navigate life regardless of the problems that they, they encounter. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I have a few friends that are really in flow with money. They don't worry about it. It's always there. They don't seem to ever talk about how there's not enough. Um, what, what are, I mean, that's such a bridge. Cause I know there's a lot of people listening right now that it just feels like a nonstop issue. And I had a, a period of my life that's completing right now where that's how it felt. So what are some steps on that bridge from feeling like it's an issue all the time to being in flow? Yeah, exactly. Cause the other group of people, which is more common are the ones who struggle about it. Mm -hmm. And so when we tune into the chakras, and in case people don't know what those are, those are set. There's many of them, but I focus on the seven primary chakras that are oriented to the human body, and they start at the at the base of the perineum, so the root chakra, going all the way up to the crown chakra. And you're not going to find these on an X-ray machine. They're energy centers, right? And so the more we pay attention to them, the more life they have in our consciousness. But if you don't know what they are, then they probably don't have any impact on you because you don't even realize that they're affecting you sort of behind the scenes. But with the root chakra, what I found is that, you know, these mindful millionaires, they often focus on having at least three streams of income consistently, mm. which is fascinating because, you know, as a business owner, that would mean that you also have maybe a passive income source in real estate and maybe you have a 
you know, some other a patent that you've got money coming in from. But three income streams uh, typically are what we're looking for when we get into the root chakra, not just a, one job, because we have one job and we don't have other income streams. We know that that job could go away at any time. Mm. And even as you know, with a business, mm -hmm. if we have one business and it's not diversified into many different areas, that can also, you know, something can shift in the market and all of a sudden it, it doesn't provide the income that we wanted. So the root chakra is about safety and support and feeling like I've got this when it comes to my financial situation. And so what I, I did was I looked at one of my friends, he's done a lot of research in this area. And I was like, yeah, this is it. They've, they've got these streams of income consistently. His name is Tom Corley. He's got a great book called Rich Habits. And I realized that that was one of the things he noticed. And it also, I noticed it in my model as well. So that's the root chakra. And what Anything is, you want to? Yeah. And just if, what are the chakras like according to you? Because I know some people, maybe this is the first time they're hearing about chakras and mm -hmm. how, how does having those three streams of income relate to the root chakra as far as it being the root? Yeah, yeah. It is all about this sense of I am safe. I am stable. I am able to take care of myself economically, mm. consistently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the three means that one or two could go away and you still have an income stream coming in that's going to take care of your needs, your economic needs. Mm -hmm. I love this. Okay. And kind of moving up through the chakras um, and, and, and before I even move on the three. So one you're seeing is commonly real estate. Are there any others and would your job count as another one? Oh yeah, definitely. A job would be one of them. Business could be another. Real estate could be a third. The stock market could be another or some other kind of investment. Okay. That's really helpful. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people right now, they're listening to that and they're like, I would love to re own real estate or I would love to have investments, but I only make like 50 or 60 K a year. What would you have to say to somebody like that? I would say the best possible way to change your situation is get super, super clear that you want something else. Like, because I'm one of those people that this is all about saving money, right? So we need to save the money to be able to create those other products or those other income streams, excuse me. So it starts with the ability to actually spend less and direct money into a project. I find that when I have a project, I am much more diligent about saving money than when I don't have anything. Like, so getting really clear that you want to have another income stream and that you're going to start channeling money into that. And then, and then setting some reasonable goals of how much can I save? And if you can't save, then dive into why you're not able to save. Like, let's go in there. So, you know, it's going to be a different answer for each person looking at this, but those are some tips that come to mind. That's helpful. Okay. And, um, moving up through the chakras, like what would be the next chakra and set of habits that you're noticing, mm -hmm. um, with mindful, uh, people with money? Yeah. So the sacral is how I look at it. This is about like worthiness, like feeling worthy to save money. Mm. But a lot of times people don't feel worthy and they end up getting in debt. So they spend more than they earn. And then that's how we acquire debt. Right. Or, I mean, obviously some people are going to have student loans and student loans are still something that you owe to other people. So 
paying attention to the importance of paying off student loans is something that I truly value because I am a person who doesn't like debt. I know that if I have a lot of debt, I can't invest it in these projects that are going to create income streams. So, so the, the sacral is about getting really crystal clear about the money that's coming in and making sure that you're able to pay off debt and not accumulate more debt. Now, accumulating a home and having long-term, you know, secured debt is different than getting debt on credit cards or even debt on cars. Like for the most part, since I started working and getting a paycheck after I graduated from college, I've never bought a car without paying cash. Mm. Like that's just a way that I think about things. And so, so the sacral is about, I'm worthy of having money, not just spending money, but having a savings account, having these side projects. And so the rule of thumb I put in the book is like saving at least 20% of your income so that it can be directed to these other sources. Maybe, you know, it's, it's the 401k. I mean, we'll talk more about that later, but, but making sure that you're actively saving and sometimes the saving may be going into a bank account, which is great. Sometimes the saving that you're keeping at the end of the month is going to pay off debt. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to come up with a strategy around that, but the point is make sure you're doing both, you know, if, if you have, if you have debt. Mm, yes. And you know, for those who are listening, like I, my boyfriend who I was telling you about Lisa the other day when we were talking, he is so responsible. And he was even looking at putting a down payment on a house in a market as an investment where the houses are $200,000 and he can afford easily um, a down payment. So it's not like everybody has to think about the area that they live in for their first investment if they want to go into real estate, which I think is a good thing to remember that there's real estate everywhere of different levels of different kinds. Um, and, and kind of going back into worthiness, like it's so hard because for me, I've had debt before and um, I could see how it ties to worthiness. Like I could see how a lot of the things that I've bought that have put me into debt are things around beauty or clothes, like things to make me feel better about myself. But is it possible that somebody just has debt because they just like to buy things? Like where's that line? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's a great conversation to have because I'm not going to say that every single person, you know, this model is to get us thinking and each person's going to have their own story. But let's face it, when we consistently spend a lot of money in a certain place, a certain way, like you're saying for, you know, health and beauty, it would be very useful to dive into why. Mm -hmm. Why is this so important? And is that really, you know, at certain times in our life, it may be really important and other times it isn't. But I always like asking the question, like, why am I doing this? And do I really appreciate the out, what answer I get? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's not in alignment. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing things and we're like, you know, I don't, I'm doing, you know, let's just say, let's take it like extreme. I'm doing this to impress my friends. Okay, let's just say that this does happen. We all go through these phases, right? It's like, I want people to think that I'm all that. The problem with that is at some point that's going to blow up yeah. because we don't want friends that, that want us, that, that like us because of that. Mm-hmm. We really don't. So after a while, if you kept asking that question, sooner or later, you're going to be like, you know what? When, 
when push comes to shove, I don't even want to be with those people. They're not making me happy. (laughs) And then we, all of a sudden we're like, well, gosh, I'm going to save, you know, a thousand dollars a month. if I stop doing this and and I could buy, I could buy one of those real estate properties and start taking care of, you know, something that, that has legs that gives me choices later in life. Like, like that's a lot more satisfying than people that, you know, aren't really worth the friendship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love this feedback. It's so true. It's like who you are always wins, you know, like what you actually need or what you actually want in life. It's always going to show up. So it's like, why put on a farce with people that don't make sense for us and try to keep up a life that isn't aligned. I love this and take take me through. Um, and just for people who are not familiar with chakras, where is the sacral chakra? So it's about a couple inches below the belly button is the idea and it's orange in color and it's just I mean sometimes they're they're thought of being outside of the body I kind of think of them inside just maybe a couple inches inside spinning um this whole idea of spinning and and the i the spinning direction is always a question that comes up so if you have a clock that's facing outward it's spinning like the clock would normally spin so clockwise mm-hmm. um and it's funny because I think the thing that I love about chakras is it doesn't take a lot of instruction about them to actually start to feel that there's some energy center in this area of our body. So, you know, even in this moment, you might see this orange spinning disc, you know, just a little bit back from the skin inside your body, below your belly button. And it's pretty fun. And water is the healing element in the sacral. Mm. And so we do meditations and and maybe one of the things we can give everybody is one of these meditations that takes you through these um, so they can play with it and see how easy it is to like really feel into this experience, not just with money, but with these, with the chakras and how they can help you become more embodied in your life and in, and with your money. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm just kind of looking at the chakras now. So, you know, if the root has to do with security and the sacred one has to do with worthiness. What about your solar plexus? Could you tell everybody where that is and what that's Mm -hmm. about as it relates to money? Yeah. So this is at the base of the rib cage and that really beautiful soft spot between the ribs. So this is yellow, it's fiery, and it's all about power, like our sense of power as a human being. Do we feel powerful or do we feel powerless or are, where are we on the spectrum? And that's what's being explored here. With money, it's about feeling powerful with money. I tie that to being able to actively manage our money. You know, we know how much is coming in. We know how much is going out. We know what we're directing towards our 401k. We know what we're directing towards our savings. Like we have a really rock solid idea of how we're managing our money. And this is happening in the solar plexus. Hey, U-Tuners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash Clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash Clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I 
think one thing probably people are wondering as they're listening to us is like, how do I tell which one I am? Is it about the content you're sharing or is there a certain feeling in your body as it relates to money that points to what chakra you're working on or leading with? Oftentimes I'm asking people to look at, um, a couple things. One is the, the belief system. So, you know, we said I'm safe and supported at the root. I'm worthy in the sacral. I'm powerful in the, um, in the solar plexus. Typically one of these plus combined with the behaviors around money, they're going to give us a clue and you can enter at any one of them. And once you start to work on one of them, bringing it into balance, bringing it into alignment, it starts to affect the other ones too. Mm-hmm. So it's more of like just picking one and saying, you know, I really like to pay off my debt. So we start focusing on the sacral mm-hmm. and then it, it starts to speak to the other ones because you do need to be more powerful with your money when you're trying to save more and spend less, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so as it relates to the solar plexus and the power, can you tell us a little bit more like what would a powerful person do? You said they know when their money's going out, they know where it's coming in, yep. like they're mindful of the numbers. And that's probably my biggest weakness that got me into debt was that I felt overwhelmed by it and I would check out. Um, mm-hmm. So for the person who, you know, really doesn't know where their money's going, you know, me being a perfect case study, what are some in, like reasons that you think people don't know? Is it a time issue or is it just like um, a fear issue? What are your thoughts? on that? There's a couple of things that come as you ask this question. I'm going to, um, first of all, it's like when someone wants to build wealth. Okay. So let's just talk about that. Like the, the strategies around building wealth really kick in here at the solar plexus. And this is like working more typically mindful millionaires back to that sort of idea. They're working 50 hours a week regular job and 10 isn't strategizing about like a business or a wealth, you know, investment strategy. Like they're really focused on their behaviors and their habits. So it's, it's all about like, what time are you getting up in the morning? How are you eating? Are you exercising? How much sleep are you getting? Like all of those things are kicking in, in the solar plexus. It's like living a disciplined life. Okay. And for people who lack discipline, what would you say it's really about? So if you, when you go into the solar plexus, you start to feel that, that there's this sense of like powerlessness, right? Like this, one of the ways it shows up would be procrastination and like not being able to make a plan and bring it into, into a powerful goal setting, you know, initiative sort of mm-hmm. thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's being able to break things down into the parts and saying, okay, this is what I want. And then this is how I get it. Most of the time, cause I'm a business coach. I notice how people have grand dreams and they have no idea how to bring it into reality. And the work that I end up helping people do is breaking it into these small action steps So that's not totally overwhelming, but it's like, okay, can you do this, this, and this? Mm -hmm. And then when you do that, then let's talk about this, this, and this. It's like sometimes when we deal with feelings of powerlessness, it's because no one's really modeled for us how to achieve the things that we want. And I would say this is where like, you know, performance coaches and accountability coaches really reign because 
let's face it, some of us need that, you know, and, and it helps us a lot. So that would be my, my thought is like, you know, sometimes it can just be an accountability partner, but find someone who's going to help you and maybe you help them. And, and together you start breaking things into small parts so that you're not overwhelmed and that you, and every step you take, you start to feel more powerful. Like, oh my gosh, I can do this. I didn't know I could, but now I know I can. Beautiful. Okay. And you know, the next chakra, as I'm kind of looking at the chart is the heart. And I'm so, you know, dying to know what do people look like when they're operating from the heart with money? Yeah. So the heart is about love and appreciation. Okay. We'll start there. So these are the beliefs like I am love. I'm appreciated. Uh, the way it plays into money is around sharing, which is kind of like giving and receiving. So a lot of times we've been told a belief system, it's better to give than to receive. And I'm like, no, that's not true. That's what causes you to burn out. Mm -hmm. This is all about being paid well for your value that you're contributing into the world. So what you're putting out there, sharing with the world, being compensated well back in return. So that's the foundation of the model. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, and would this be like the charitable people who have leaned towards philanthropy and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, even that it's funny because that industry oftentimes, um, not everybody, but a lot of people who work in philanthropy, if you were to compare their salaries into like banking, for example, they would be almost half of what you'd be paid for the same job in banking. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. So, so even the idea that I'm going to give and I'm not going to get back as much in return is something that happens in the philanthropy fields, not always, but a lot because it's, things are out of whack. It's again, it's that belief system that, that we give, 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 and we're lucky with what we get back in return. Mm. But you see that? Well, so how does that translate? Like, are the people who lead with the heart chakra, like at their worst, like running out of money because they're giving so much and they're so generous? It's underpaid. This is under earning and not being paid in in relationship to the value that you're creating in the world. Okay. This is so helpful. And, you know, as we're kind of working through, I also see the throat chakra and this one I'm the most like jazzed about because my guess is it's going to have to do with something with your voice and money. Um, tell me what is there to learn with people who have either challenges or they're thriving with their throat chakra as it relates to their relationship with money? Yeah. So the throat is about authenticity, speaking your truth, trust, and significance, feeling I am significant. So when we're significant with money, typically this is when we've reached the stage that I talked about, about having different ways that the money is coming in. So we're investing. This is the big, the, the, the throat chakra is oriented to having enough money because they build off of each other. We're now we're well paid because we're, we've aligned with our heart chakra and now we have extra money. We're investing it. Now, as you move through the throat chakra, this is also when we start to think about, well, how is my money? that I'm investing being used? Am I investing my money in causes, in companies that I truly believe in? Because it's like we really value truth and trust when we get into the throat chakra. We want everything to align. 
Mm-hmm. Is that making sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is, would you say that somebody like me, who's a speaker or a writer that, um, I'm aligned with my throat chakra and money because from all the ones you shared, it feels like, um, I resonate with the sacral one, like worthiness, like always being in debt in the past. Mm-hmm. And then also all of my income comes from my voice. Um, so there's something ar- around the throat as well. Would that, would that yeah. be something people can identify with? Totally, totally. I mean, this is, this is, in your case, you're creating value through your spoken word into the world and earning money through that, that contribution. So it's, yeah, like all of these things are playing together. And, and oftentimes I, I think that, you know, what I've seen is that this is when we want to make sure that we are paying attention. Like when you're operating at this level and you're, you're working through the throat chakra, it's really important that you're investing in multiple things Mm -hmm. in, in your life. Like, because that is going to cause you to feel that state of significance and contribution. And, you know, just like, um, one of my, one of my clients is actually doing a Kiva campaign right now. And I don't know if people know about Kiva, but it was, it's something where you can contribute right to a business owner and and a project that they want to, they want to invest in. And, And so people lend money. It's not for any, you don't get a return on the money invested, but you do know that you're helping this business owner achieve an objective. Like that would be a great place for someone like you to play in because it is very, significant you know that you're making a difference in the lives of other entrepreneurs for example Mm. does that Mm -hmm. that makes sense and you know what does the throat chakra person look like at their best and at their worst with money Mm. so they at their best it is like i said they are very conscious of every single dollar that's being invested that they're investing and the integrity of how it's being invested Mm that's at the highest level. Mm -hmm. It matters deeply. Um, at the worst, it's the, it's giving your money to the Bernie Madoffs of the world and having them steal it. Got it. Okay. Trusting over trusting without knowledge and wisdom of investing. I love that because that was one of the biggest demises of my first business was, you know, just hoping that everybody who said they could do the job could do the job, regardless of how I felt in my gut around some people, you know? Um, so I think this is really helpful is like, there's a lot of people listening right now where maybe they've hired a coach or maybe they've joined a program and they buy into the belief that if they just spend the money, it's going to fix the problem, but they're not thinking about, am I willing to do this work? And how does the person who I'm investing in feel for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, These are great questions. I love that question about highest and best and worst because that says it all. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I'm always like, you know, straight, you, can, you can take me out of the military, but still in my head, it's like net outcomes. Um, so tell me about the third eye, um, my favorite chakra. What is this really about? Um, and kind of back to this idea of at their best and at their worst when it comes to money. Yeah. So as we move up, these become more ethereal. They're not just like 
about the money. They're about a feeling. And so the feeling that we get when we get into the third eye, this intuitive center that also connects into all the wisdom and experience that we've had in the past, right? Our brain. Um, when we bring these together and we're really showing up in our lives, you know, from a place of significance, the next feeling that we get is I am enough. We're bringing all of it together in alignment and all these chakras are building off of each other. And we reached a stage where, where we're like, holy cow, this is what it feels like to be enough. Mm. And how does somebody know when they've like, I know that they could be obvious in the sense where they're like, I feel enough, but I think a lot of people, they don't feel whole when it comes to money and earning. What are mm -hmm. some ways to get there or some um, thoughts that you would think somebody is having if they're feeling whole with money? Well, this is the way to think of it. What happens in these upper chakras when we have not grounded it in like our economics, for example, right? Because this model is based on economics. Yeah. When we skip the lower ones and we focus on this upper stuff, it's, it, it, it amounts to economic bypassing. So it's like, I feel great. I look great. Everything's awesome. But there's really no grounded embodiment all the way down to the root chakra. Mm. Like this can happen. This is what happens when we have kind of disconnected uh -huh. from the importance of, of how money plays into our lives. Mm. So, so it's more around the ease of like, kind of telling yourself the story, but not really believing it. Uh, so you say you're enough, you think you, you tell everyone you feel that way. But when truth be told, if you really took a honest, uh, inventory of your life, you would see that, that you are just telling yourself that. And it's not actually true because you're looking at your relationships with others, right? Mm -hmm. You're looking at how you treat people, how you treat the environment, how you treat your body. Like all of it matters at this stage. Mm, okay. And, um, we kind of going into the crown, you know, the top of the chakras, you know, right above the head, the top of the head. What, what does that look like when somebody's money relationship is rooted in their crown chakra? Yeah. So this is the connection to the divine. This is where abundance and prosperity, these very big ideas, um, come into our full embodied understanding. So we, we can connect to the divine, you know, we can surrender, but we're surrendering, not from just a blind surrender, a, a kind of spiritual bypass. We're, we're surrendering with full understanding of what it means to be human. So to me, this is being in the world. This is Jesus's teaching, being in the world, but not of it. Ah, uh, tell me more about what that means. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful teaching. It means that you can be here now. You can have your business. You can have your relationships. You can be, you know, moving through life. But at no time do you think that this is true life. Life is the... Mm, is the essence of the true self. And so what happens is when we're living life, uh, 
we're, we're often dancing back and forth. I mean, if we're lucky, most of the time we're just living what I call the small self, this ego, egoic experience of like, you know, right, competitive, I win, I'm right, I'm, I'm all of that. Uh, the true self really doesn't care about any of that. The true self literally cares about love. That's it. Mm-hmm. Love. Mm-hmm. Unconditional love. Meaning not the love where I give you this and then you give me that, but like, I love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so living in the world and not being of it means that you're able to unconditionally love everything and everyone. And at the same time, navigate the, you know, the challenges of life without getting, getting pulled into those stories. Mm Mm-hmm. And thinking that they're real, like mm-hmm. really real, because they're real, they really aren't. They're, they're projections, right, of our own experience in any given moment. And our, all of our stories added up cause us to think certain ways, which many times are not truth. They're well, just an observation. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm listening to you and... I'm so in touch with how this is all, I could totally just follow you down an existential hole right now and be like, what's the point of it all? This is all made up in a projection of our minds movie. (laughs) And it's also true, but I also, I think, um, for anybody who is listening to this and they kind of found which chakra they are and what the shortcoming is or what the optimal vision is for that chakra. Um, I'm also just would love to know from you as someone who's so good with money, Um, What are a few things that you think anyone can just get started on with money that's going to be a huge impact on their life? Mm, The the best thing is to have a conversation with money, Mm -hmm. like just a no holding back sort of honest conversation. And don't you dare, this is me kind of setting a challenge. Don't you just dare say, I love you. You're awesome. Everything's awesome. Like you're wonderful because I hear people say that. And then after a few hours of hanging out with them, I know that's not how they really feel. So the best way to start in changing your relationship with money is understand how you truly feel about it. Mm-hmm. And then use that to help you understand what's working really well Mm -hmm. and also what's not working Mm. really well Mm -hmm. because it's so sneaky like it is so sneaky and I have my sneaky things like I do a lot of my bookkeeping because I know that it really if I were to outsource it I would bypass some responsibilities that I still need to pay attention to and when I do my own budget you know bookkeeping and I see what I'm spending and I categorize it I don't, I I will not say that I love doing it. I put it off and that's the sneaky part. Like, you know, here I am a money coach and I'm like, yeah, I don't really love doing it, but there is nothing like doing it and taking full ownership for every aspect of my business. Now Mm -hmm. I won't be able to do this forever, you know, but right now this is what it took for me to be fully embodied as a business owner. Love this. Okay. Lisa, this has been so great. Where can everybody find you, get the book, all of that? 
Thank you. So you can learn more about, uh, you know, chakras and take my quiz, find out which chakra. If you're not quite sure, come on to wealthclinic.com. That's just all one word, wealth clinic. And the book is on, is, is like you said, pre-order on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, on indie books, and a lot of local bookstores also have it. Powell's books, uh, the mindful millionaire by Lisa Peterson, L E I S A Peterson is with an S O N. Oh, thank you again for being on the show. It's been such a little joy. Thank you so much. Hey guys, it's Ash here and I totally enjoyed this episode with Lisa Peterson and I just really enjoyed her presence, her energy and the way that she sees the world and she had a lot of near-death experiences and I was really compelled by her when I met her at a workshop. We ended up talking for two hours nonstop about her life and that experience she shared of being in a doctor's office and having a shooting in her doctor's office is one of probably three or four experiences she shared with me. Um, you know, she had a father who got murdered, like she's had some really profound experiences and I think as a result she feels really connected to this work because um, in a way she feels like she was spared by being in so many experiences and I just to kind of shift things a little bit just as it relates to money I thought it was really profound that she looked at your chakras as they relate to money how your sacral chakra is about being rooted and and what that really means for how you lead with money and so I'm curious after this episode which one resonated for you which chakra do you feel like you're leading with and where do you feel like that's good news and where do you feel like that means that you can work on yourself and loosen up your hold um, on that identity with money um, I was just reading today that the average millennial age 25 to 34 has $42,000 of debt and most of it isn't actually from student loans. So it's just really incredible to me um, to realize how much people are really struggling. And according to the latest studies, only 23% of Americans right now are debt-free. And the average amount, like I said, of outstanding debt stands at around 40000 So it just goes to show you that if you have debt, you're in the majority of the United States. And, um, you know, it's just really 77% of people have debt. And for me, and that excludes mortgages, that doesn't even count. So, you know, the average credit card, credit card revolving debt is seven grand. And to me, it shows a couple of things. Number one, the importance of looking at your mindset. And number two, the importance of really making sure you're in a job that you feel financially honored. Because um, I learned through an interview with Gina DeVee, and I'm not sure if you'll have tuned into that yet once you listen to this episode, but we have Gina DeVee, business coach, on talking about her new book, The Audacity of Being a Queen and um or the audacity to be queen and she talks about how she went to a seminar and a person said you know no matter what if you're struggling with money you're never going to have a life fully well lived and that really sat with her and that's been sitting with me and i think that we all just want our bare minimum expenses and a little bit then some uh covered so that we can kind of loosen up enjoy life enjoy our connections and pay our bills with ease and so i want to invite you now of course to look at your mindset of course to explore everything that lisa talk about um and and really look at what are the expenses that put you into debt. So some of you listening, maybe your expenses are like that dental bill you didn't plan for, and that's human. Um, 
other people, the expenses, um, if you really look, there's a trend. So in my case, one thing I've talked about before was that a lot of my debt was tied to not loving myself. And if I break this down for you, it's actually going to make sense because I know spiritual people (laughs) sometimes say like, I'm not one of them, but sometimes they say like, you know, this has to do with your self-worth, but I really can see this because when I look at the expenses that put me into debt personally, not professionally, because I know my business had, I had a whole journey with debt in my business that I've just finally paid off, which is really incredible to feel. But when I look at my personal expenses, any sort of personal credit card debt, I noticed that a lot of it had to do with my beauty. So what does that mean? That means um, facials, nails, clothes, going away with friends. And when you really look at that and you really evaluate that, it's like, what is that really about? And when I looked at my expenses that were putting me over earlier when I wasn't making as much money in my business, it was a lot of things that were self-care, but also self-indulgence. And I think there's a really big difference between self-care and self-indulgence. And really in the long term, I wasn't taking care of myself because I was creating a lot of debt for today that I would have to deal with tomorrow. So I was borrowing from my future and putting myself on this hamster wheel of having to work um, by asking for expenses that I couldn't afford. So what I want to invite you into now is are you happy with what your job is paying you now? I know we could always be making more, but are you actually supported in paying your bills? And I want to also point out that one of the worst negotiation tactics people could ever use is going into their job and wanting more money for personal reasons. So that's not a reason to ask for a raise. It's not a reason to bring into your boss. But if your personal expenses aren't met, really looking at your job hunt and really looking at the opportunities you're creating in your life as a way for you to start shifting things. I think a lot of you right now, if you get really honest with yourself, you perhaps want to make a little more money and you're not putting in the time to make your job hunt a way of life. And what I mean by that is really starting to job hunt in a way where you see networking as an ongoing commitment and an ongoing task in your life. And so uh, when you do that, when you're networking, you're constantly engaging in your career in a way where you're creating opportunities so that when you need one, it's available and you're not scrambling to create one. And I'm going to say this on and on is that Anyone who feels stuck right now, it's not an issue of um, not having a a job that they like. It's about being somebody that hasn't created options for themselves. And so what I want to invite you to now is if you're not feeling happy with the money you're creating right now and you really are working on your mindset, then ask yourself, how can I create more opportunities in my life? And there's two ways you can do that. Number one is your mindset in your day-to-day. That means walking around the world, being ready for a conversation, being emotionally available to a conversation, getting your head out of your phone because let me tell you, from your walk to work, from your walk through the grocery store, you are passing by people who probably could support you or you could support in your careers. And so that means really starting to notice when you can offer yourself up to somebody, when you could just strike up a casual conversation. And the mystery of life is that you never know where it's going to take you. I'm constantly having conversations and it's not that I'm on and chatting all the time. It's just that at the grocery store, I'm emotionally available in line at CVS when I'm trying to get my prescription or whatever. I'm emotionally available. I'm, I'm looking up in the world and saying, hey, how's it going? Like just talking to people. And if you can start practicing that, you will find that you will eventually start to create connections with people in your day-to-day life. The second is intentional connections. Starting to set a quota. I recommend anybody in your career right now have two coffees a month with people that you don't know that you find on LinkedIn 
through the advanced search as people who are inspiring to you in their career, people that you might want to meet up with, learn from, connect with, and always offer yourself up to. So maybe you have coffee with them, you reach out to them, you send a cold email. This is something I talk a lot about in my Job Offer Academy course. Um, And from there, you're able to initiate with them some sort of opportunity to um, support them or get their support. And I think that's so powerful for your career. And that way, eventually, when you want to make more money, you want to make a career pivot, you've got a network, a Rolodex of people. And I take notes on my coffee meetings, just a couple things that are personal about that person, a couple things I liked about that person, a couple ways I think I could help that person, a couple ways that maybe they can support me. Um, so I'm really mindful and intentional about my network. And I want to encourage you to do the same because When you create your life, you are out of that zone where life is happening to you and things feel like they're spiraling out and you've got options. So get yourself unstuck today with money, create options. And of course, it's not just an outer game of networking. It's an inner game of mindset. And I love everything Lisa said, and I hope it resonated for you too. So thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. I love this show. I love you for listening. I love hearing from you on my DMs. I love you for sharing this with friends. Um, my biggest goal this year is to get this, this podcast out into the world even more. And I appreciate you for being an ambassador to it for me. It means the world. I'm sending you all love as usual, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.